Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM is brought to you by the organizational team, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Laura. I usually hang out over at the Library Laura podcast where I talk about book recommendations, library love, and literary enthusiasm with guests each week. But today I get to have three short segments with Ian, Graham, and Ree from the International Podcast Month community. We'll be talking about books and reading and swapping some great book recommendations. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Library Laura Podcast, and my website is librarylaurapodcast.com. Be sure to check out the show notes for a list of all the books we talked about in today's episode. And now, let's dive right in. Well, hello, and welcome to the podcast. Will you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah. Hello. My name is Ian R. Buck. I am a podcaster based in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I do a lot of tech education, kind of this ethical and social implications of technology is a lot of the stuff that I cover in my podcasting. Okay. Because I teach at a high school, computer tech teacher. And so over the last like six years or however long I've been doing this, you know, I've been kind of like the things that catch my fancy are like a lot of times the things that I am teaching in class. And then I'm like, in order to help myself kind of wrap my head around the topics, I'm like, well, I got to make a podcast episode about this. And then I can also give those to my students as materials. (laughs) You get double bang for your buck. That's Mm -hmm. that's wonderful. And oh my gosh, that was not even supposed to be a pun on your last name, but it totally just happened to be. And I, 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 (laughs) you're welcome. I'm sorry. Uh, Oh dear. No, no. Take take ownership. Take ownership for sure. (laughs) Starting out strong with, with last name puns. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, hey, I'm so excited to have you on this episode, which is uh, especially for the International Podcast Month. So I run a podcast called the Library Laura Podcast. And on a normal episode of that, dive into book recommendations, library love, literary enthusiasm. And when I put that out into the IPM community, you're like, I like books. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about books. Will you tell us a little bit about your reading life? And I especially love asking, is there something that started it? Is there a moment or a memory that Mm. made Ian be be a reader? Yeah. I mean, thinking back to like childhood, I think the first time that I got a book that really like just drew me in and wouldn't let me go was definitely the Harry Potter series. Ah, yeah. Before that, you know, like reading, sure, fine, you know, but like that was when it was like, all-consuming, like I cannot put this down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as as a kid, a lot of fantasy, sci-fi, the Animorph series, when I discovered in around like fourth or fifth grade that like, wait, people write Star Wars books? That's okay. a thing? You know, that like, oof, the entire Star Wars expanded universe. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. As an adult, have shifted a little bit more towards nonfiction. You know, of course, I still read a lot of fiction, but kind of the ratio of fiction to nonfiction is skewed a little bit more towards nonfiction now than it was when I was a kid. Sure. I love that moment when you just like find something and you come out of the series like three years later and you're like, ah, that was lovely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, that's perfect. So when you are looking for a book to read these days, what do you look for or or how do you choose? What's the thing that you're like, that's going to be a book for me? Yeah, when people recommend books to me, the thing that really catches my attention a lot of times is does it have themes that I can apply to like the real world? You know, like I enjoy a good fantasy sci fi setting, but then, you know, having like the critiques of social structures or, you know, things like that, that that we can bring back and kind of put that lens to to our own world. And also, like, a lot of times I end up not being the one who finds a book and recommends it to my friends. Now I'm the follower. You know, people will recommend something to me and they're like, I think you would really like this. And especially if they are, like, currently reading it or have recently read it, that will be a big point in favor of me reading it because then I have somebody who I know that I can discuss it with as I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Are you a part of any, like... 
official book club book discussion kind of things or is this pretty organic like hey friend you're reading a book i'll read the book it's mostly organic you know like i recently read dune because the movie was at the time it was set to be coming out in december my partner was like i just read this like let, you know you should read it too before the movie comes out and i was like yes and then as it turns out my brother also was reading it at the same time so i had like two people but I am part of a little book club, a, a group of us here in the Twin Cities who are all active in the like transportation advocacy world. Okay. There was a Humble Bundle recently with a bunch of books that were all kind of focused on bicycles and bike culture and stuff like that. And one of the books in there is called Bicycle Race, which uh, talks about like the intersection of um, transportation advocacy and race. And, you know, how different groups interface with this world in different ways because of, you know, the historic differences in like colonialism shaping the ways that we have built our transportation systems historically, stuff like that. I'm only on chapter four, but I'm really enjoying it and having, yeah, a structured like every week. Now we can discuss this next chapter has been a good a good way for me to pace myself. Okay, so you guys are going chapter by chapter. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a good way to do it for a book like that. It sounds like it's very information dense. So maybe not discussing the entire book in one sitting is probably best. Yeah. And, and especially like given the group of people who are all like we're, we're all folks who are involved in the advocacy space, which means that we're all always busy with, you know, there's always things to be done, yeah. right? <laughs> and so giving people that smaller chunk of like, here's your homework for this week. I get to be the teacher in the room for that group <laughs> as well, like keeping everybody in line. <laughs> hey, if, if you're good at it, you're good at it, right? I was going to ask what you're currently reading. So it sounds like that book is one of them. Please tell us about anything else you're currently reading. And then I'm going to ask you about all-time favorites as well. Naomi Kritzer's second book in the Catfishing series came out earlier this year, and I just uh, I just got it from the library, so I'm I'm looking forward to digging into that, but I haven't had time to open it yet. That one's uh, I really enjoyed the first book, and having somebody to talk to about the book it becomes so much better when you personally know the author and can just like you know message her and be like, oh my god, I love this reference that you put in. Like, <laughs> so do you know this person? Yeah, I had her on because, I mean, she lives here in St. Paul as well. Okay. So, I've you know, I interact with her online mostly, but I did have her on my podcast a couple of years ago Okay. in anticipation of the launch of the first book in that series. And we had a fun conversation. Awesome. I just had to look that up to find out if it was catfishing, like, you know, pretending to be somebody that you're not on the Internet or catfishing as in going out and fetching one from a lake with a rod and reel <laughs> and it's definitely the former uh, so definitely the former that's good to know I, I was like you were reading about bicycles and race theory and you live in minnesota where there's ten thousand lakes and 10 million mosquitoes but you're also really <laughs> interested in sci-fi and and i'm like this could go either way <laughs> i contain multitudes right <laughs> right well, that's really cool that you know the author. On my podcast, I've had the opportunity to talk to lots of authors now. And it is cool. Like when they write something new, it's like, oh, you wrote this just for me and I can message you and tell you that I love it. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for doing that, friend. Mm -hmm. Authors are people too, it turns out. Yes. And they need to have people who tell them that they love their work and to keep doing it because they're people too. Absolutely. So... Before we started recording, we, we talked a little bit about N.K. Jemisin. Do you want to say anything about her work? Yeah, the book of hers, I've listened to a few short stories of hers, but the only book of hers that I've read was The City We Became. And that tied nicely into, you know, my kind of sci-fi sensibilities, but also the world of like urbanism and advocacy that I interact with on a day-to-day -day basis in ways that weren't like, you know, super duper explicit in the book, but it was like, you know, I was able to see things about like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about this city in these terms. It was a lot of stuff about like how a community kind of self-determines like what they want for themselves and how we build community but uh yeah those it's thought-provoking yeah it was thought-provoking and it was th those are kind of the elements that drew me in even though like I've, I've never been to new york city which is like where 
that book is centered around. But like the references to the city that she makes in there, I don't know what it is about her writing, but she does it in such a way that I was able to be like, oh yeah, I get it. Like I understand what you're trying to say about Brooklyn versus Queens, you know, and how they relate to each other, even though I have like no personal context. (laughs) Yeah. Totally get that. I actually started reading that book and it just wasn't the right book at the right time for me. Mm. I started listening to it on audio and it was just really like fast paced and kind of like adrenaline filled, especially at the very beginning. And I was just not in the space that that was what I wanted to listen to. And so I just I quit it. But then I ended up reading all of How Long Till Black Future Month, which is her collection of short stories, or at least a collection of short stories. I should not limit because I don't know. Anyway, it's amazing. And it actually has at least one, if not two short stories that either are part of the city we became or are pre or post that story. They're they're in that same universe, which was really interesting because I enjoyed visiting that concept of, but she's also got had several other really amazing stories. I, especially there's one about cooking as magic that was amazing. Yeah, Probably yeah. my favorite. That was the one where it was like a restaurant. You you told the waiter like a memory of yours and they would like make the meal based on that or something like that? Yes, there was that one. And there was also one, I think it's called La Alchemista that I'm not sure if you're familiar with where this guy brings like this package of secret ingredients to this uh, woman chef and has her kind of create this it's a recipe but it's kind of more like a maybe a potion or a chemical combination of things more than like a a food but she kind of makes it food like it's this weird combination of cooking and magic they do that a couple of times with different recipes and there's magical and interesting outcomes and there we go so (laughs) so i think you would really enjoy that one and you had mentioned there's another series that she's written that you're interested in reading as well so you should read that. Um, Absolutely. Brilliant. <laughs> On the sci-fi side of things, I've read two books recently that actually remind me of each other. Okay. And I think you might like them. So the first one is Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez. Okay. And it is a space opera, essentially. So if you like Firefly. Oh, Absolutely. It has some kind of Firefly vibes to it, but it's mostly a female-centered cast, and there are psychic space cats, and interspecies romance, and interesting intergalactic politics, and it's fascinating, and it's so good. I am into it. It is exceedingly profane. There is a lot of profanity in it. Mostly in Spanish. Don't look up the Spanish. It's it's very bad. Uh, just accept <laughs> that they're cussing in Spanish and move on with your life because I made the mistake of... So you're saying these these would not be vocabulary words that I learned at my immersion elementary school? Uh, no, it would not be. Uh, neither would they be <laughs> vocabulary words that you would like your high school students to say to you. However, <laughs> it's entertaining. And then if you like that one, you will also like A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. What a title. Yes. <laughs> Honestly feels like a very similar storyline with just different characters. I mean, they're really different, but if you dig one, you'll dig the other and the characters are all really great and fascinating. The cast of A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet is a bit more queer. Mm. At least from my recollection. Both really fun sci-fi adventures. I want to find more books like that, but I haven't. I enjoyed those and then like haven't read anything like that since, but I totally would. Have you heard, it's brand new out in the last month or two, The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green? Yeah, I listened to the podcast. Okay. And am kind of, like, because if I bought the book, I would be buying the audiobook. And I'm kind of resistant to the concept of buying an audiobook version of a podcast that I can listen to for free, even though some of the essays are not available in the podcast. Yeah. Fair. Uh, I mean, I got the audiobook from the library, so that might be the hack there if you are interested. I just finished listening to it this morning. But with your interest in so many different things and the role of technology in the world and stuff like that. He, he just tells some really fascinating stories, which you already know because you've listened to the podcast. So mm-hmm. there we go. And actually, his brother's duology, Hank Green's An Absolutely Remarkable Thing and A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor, those were two books that really were like right in my wheelhouse okay. in terms of thinking about like analyzing the role of technology in society through a sci-fi setting. Because like the first book talks a lot about like the social internet 
Hank came up with this like hypothetical big global event that, you know, realistically the people in the world of the book immediately kind of like chose two different sides on whether they were going to be like super afraid of this thing and fight against it or like, you know, would kind of accept it and work with it. Okay. And little did Hank know when he wrote that book that like, oh, we're soon going to be in a world where like wearing masks is a political statement, yeah. right? And then the second book kind of shifts to be more focused on like big tech and like, you know, business and like the power that we give over to these large corporations. And what could we do to kind of wrest that control back and, you know, build a build a better system? Interesting. I haven't read either of those, but having just finished reading John's book, I might need to head over there and read some of Hank's writing because that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I mean, those are the themes, but also like the books are very character and plot driven right? in ways that like a lot of John Green books are not. Fair. <laughs> Good to know. I hadn't read those and uh, sounds like I totally would enjoy reading them. So my last recommendation is not a book. I just recently watched The Mitchells version versus the machines yes oh i loved that movie okay good because <laughs> if you hadn't it's actually really fascinating and it's like kind of dumb but totally thought-provoking and i loved it so and a good amount of chaos yes <laughs> so much chaos but like pleasantly so not like i can't handle this because it is overwhelming but just like wow a lot is happening right now and it's cool mm-hmm mm-hmm awesome well will you tell us where to find you on the interwebs yeah. In terms of social media, you can find me on Twitter. My username is Ian R. Buck. If you like my voice and want to hear more of it, you can find my podcast, The Extra Dimension, just about anywhere that podcasts are distributed. Fantastic. Well, Ian, it's been a pleasure to connect with you about books and reading today and happy podcast month. Happy podcast month. Hello, will you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Sure. My name is Graham. I'm a player, I guess, this season on uh, an actual play podcast called The Role Less Taken. We have no GM at the moment. Ah, I see. We're playing a game called Sleep Away. Now done like two sessions as of recording. Uh, and it is a GMless game in which we are all campers trying to, or camp counselors trying to protect the camp from a horrifying cryptid known as the Lindworm. You can also, I recently did a podcast with my job about editing reports for pen testing so you can see that on cobalt's pen tester diaries and uh yeah i'm kind of all over the place <laughs> well fantastic well today in the world of podcasting we get to hang out for an international podcast month episode and talk about books so i'm the host of the library laura podcast where we usually talk about book recommendations and library love and literary enthusiasm on that topic will you tell us a little bit about your reading life and whether there's something that sparked that yeah i mean i definitely love reading i mostly read like in the sci-fi fantasy genre okay and so like i've always read like from a young age i, I grew up reading Piers anthony and and Douglas Adams, Asimov, you know, some of the big granddaddies of literature definitely read Tolkien, a lot of Tolkien. Sure, sure. And then I feel like, you know, high school, college is kind of, as a lot of people do, kind of dropped out of it. If I'm honest, I think it was a humble bundle that had a bunch of ebooks in it. And I bought that and I was like, I should probably read them, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I started reading like before bed and then when I started dating my partner, like she was already doing that. So we both kind of sat right before we go to bed, we're going to pull out our book and read and go into our own separate worlds for a few minutes. Although she does sometimes talk to her book. So I do get, you know, <laughs> dragged back to reality. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of one of the big things that kind of got me back into it was like knowing that I had a love of it, having this opportunity and going, wait, why did I stop? Was kind of sure. the big thing that got me back into reading, I guess. That's awesome. I had a not unlike that experience I, after college I just didn't read for a couple years and then realized that that was silly and it was Harry Potter that drug me back into it uh, similar it was Amazon emailed me and was like hey did you know that you can read the first Harry Potter book for free just because you have an Amazon account and I was like no I did not know that and I was like bored out of my mind at work so I started reading the first Harry Potter book and before I knew it I was done with it and I was like oh yes I do like reading and now I have six more books to read of Harry Potter to keep me going and by the end of the Harry Potter series I was a reader again you know that was sort of the reawakening but I mean big love of reading as a kid oh definitely yeah yeah so these days uh, when you're looking for a book to read what do you look for how do you choose how do you know this is a this is a grand book 
That's a good question. I will say one of the things that like usually funnels me in a direction is a recommendation from a friend or a colleague, a loved one, somebody kind of saying like, this book is kind of up your alley. Yeah. Beyond that, though, just like plot synopsis, kind of reading and going, that's something I'm interested in. And I have a, a broad variety of interests. One of the other things I look at is like, have I read a book by this person before? And did I enjoy it? And sure. nine times out of 10, yes. So it's an instant buy. <laughs> Sure, that helps. Yeah, yeah. I will say one of the uh, authors who I like just, I think I heard about it on another podcast, The Broken Earth Trilogy by N.K. Jemison. Okay, yeah. The first book is the fifth season. So I like, I heard about that and I thought it sounded really interesting. So I picked it up and just immediately fell in love with Jemison's writing style and have basically read every Jemison book that I can get my hands on because I just loved the fifth season so much. Sure. That's really cool. It's funny because Ian, who we're also going to talk to in the course of this episode, he and I had a great talk about N.K. Jemison's work on his segment as well. So you're in good company in terms of Jemison appreciators. Oh, yeah this episode i've read how long till black future month which is her collection of short stories Mm. which i feel like gave me a really good bird's eye view of several different of the ways that she writes because she's really diverse in Mm. her style which is really cool yeah i have not yet read that one because i usually read more novels than short fiction for some reason i don't have a specific reason i just like i want to like spend as much time as i can with the characters sure i mean it was definitely a different reading experience because i also tend to read like standalone Mm. novel length fiction the short story it took me months to get through that collection because i felt like i had to sit with each one Mm. Uh, but i also really enjoyed doing that it just wasn't like i didn't just sit down and read them all in a row you had to kind of take it a piece at a time That's really cool. I will say her most recent book, The City We Became, is like so radically different from the fifth season and its sequels, but still just like fascinating. And because I'm in the actual play role playing space, like my immediate reaction was I want to play a game like around this concept, (laughs) which I have not done yet. But like, it's still kind of on my on my little bucket list of games I want to play. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. On the role-playing games front Mm. i would be remiss if i didn't mention a friend's podcast called in between it's i-n-n between and it all takes place in the goblin's head in its conversations between basically D &D character types oh that's awesome but like all the action happens off stage and then you just kind of hear about it i'm explaining it badly it's a very interesting premise but it's a short fiction podcast hmm. i don't i'm not a role-playing gamer uh i so i most of the D references go over my head and i still love it because the characters are fascinating and i understand that if you get D and other role-playing game references that it may be even more interesting to you because <laughs> apparently there's that layer of meaning that just completely passes me by i feel like I've, I've heard the name and i'm trying to figure out or remember where i think it's possible that like we follow each other on twitter or something i believe it she's very active on twitter it's hannah wright is the creator okay. of it so she's chemically writ on twitter as well and then oh, cool. she runs the the goblin's head twitter for in between as oh, well neat. she's cool I will say, if that is a type of podcast that you enjoy, another one that is really cool is A Ninth World Journal, okay, which is set in the role-playing game Numenera. It's a like science fantasy, like a million years in the future of Earth. Everybody's got access to like weird technology that just does stuff that nobody expects to, to do because it's you know the people who made it have been dead for nine hundred thousand years, but we can still use their weird tech. And it follows a character who like used to be part of the science tech church. And then developed the ability to randomly teleport and kind of goes around the world trying to solve problems, but mostly kind of getting in his own way. It's a very, very cool podcast. Interesting. Starring David Estier, whose voice is also incredible. One of those people I can listen to read a phone book. Sure, sure. (laughs) Thank you for that recommendation. Absolutely. What are what are you currently reading? So I just started the graphic novel adaptation of Slaughterhouse Five by Kirk Vonnegut. Interesting. Okay. Because I've read the book before and, you know, I like Ryan North, who's the he's a webcomic artist and a comic book artist who did the Amazing Squirrel Girl series and an Adventure Time comic series. Okay. He was, you know, on the team adapting this book into a graphic novel. And I was like, I like his work. I loved Slaughterhouse-Five. It's just like a fascinating, Vonnegut is a really great author. So I was like, why don't I try it? 
it tells the story differently. So it's like a fresh read, but it's still very cool. Yeah. I think prior to that, I just read Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. I think she's an indigenous American author writing like a secondary world fantasy novel that is like just really interesting because it's, you know, obviously <laughs> I'm white and a lot of the authors I read am white. So it's like a different perspective, but it also is just like is a really, really good fantasy novel. I really enjoyed it. Fascinating. That's also something I haven't heard of at all. So <laughs> this is why I love talking to people. Right? Because I learn things. <laughs> so that's awesome. So I'm thinking I'm trying to grab some book recommendations here for you, mm. uh, sort of on the fly. So thoughts here. First of all, on the graphic novel mm -hmm. train, this kind of falls in that comic slash graphic novel mm -hmm. category. It's it's more on the comic side yeah, of yeah. things. Strong Female Protagonist by Brennan Lee Mulligan. Oh, I haven't heard of it. So it was originally published as a webcomic mm. and has been since published in two volumes. It's just fascinating because you mentioned like the city we became. It's very different, mm. um, but it makes me think of it for some reason. And it's probably not any way connected. But there's a young lady that there was this weird phenomenon that happened that a bunch of people who were all born at the same time, there was some like weather event mm. that then made all the babies that were like in utero at the time end up with superpowers. And so there was this whole like generation of superhumans with weird things that their bodies did that made them cool and interesting and defeated a bunch of bad guys. And then sort of the fallout from that of like, what do you what do you do as a superhuman after you've defeated all the bad guys and who is your identity oh, after cool. that? And so she's kind of like a retired superhero working through. So it's very philosophical mm. and working through a bunch of nuances of things, but it's also, you know, a superhero comic book action pet kind of deal. And it was fascinating. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm like writing it down. So, yeah. <laughs> and then another graphic novel adaptation of a classic mm. the a wrinkle in time graphic Ooh. novel is very good i like it better than i liked the movie mm. i feel like it was it's more true to the book because i feel like it kept the good parts that the movie didn't that i was mad about <laughs> so I, it gets mad props there and but i really like being able to experience the storyline in a very true to the book, but a totally different reading experience yeah. than that. I read A Wrinkle in Time when I was a kid, but I almost like there's a lot of it I don't remember. So I feel like that would be a cool way to kind of dive back in. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Because I too, I read it when I was a kid and then I reread it. And then I read the graphic novel and mm. really enjoyed that experience as well. So it's classic sci-fi fantasy type yeah, yeah. stuff. <laughs> so on the YA fantasy uh, mm. side of things, this is very obscure. I would be like blown over if you've heard of it uh, because it's actually it's from a brand new publishing house called Bandersnatch Books and they published through Kickstarter, but like just yesterday at the time of recording, it's now available on Amazon so you can buy it now. Uh, <laughs> so if you weren't part of the Kickstarter, you can actually read it now, which is cool. Uh, so it's called Rosefire by Carolyn Claire Givens. It is really very much a chosen one story arc set in a medieval fantasy universe. One night, a mysterious girl shows up on this other girl's doorstep. There's prophecies about who this person might be. It all sort of unfolds after that. It's very beautifully written. Mm. And I got to interview the author on my podcast actually several months ago uh, when they were in the Kickstarter phase of things. Uh, oh, so cool. now like, we're much further down the road at this point. It's great. Yeah. I'm going to write that one down too. <laughs> okay. Cool. I'm always in the market for a good recommendation. I mean, you had mentioned that recommendations are part of what makes your reading life go round yeah, yeah. in terms of what things that you find to read. So, uh, and I'm very similar in that way. Uh, if somebody says, oh, I loved this, the likelihood of me reading it went up about 100%. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to, books that you wanted to say or things that you wanted to talk about while you were here with us on the show today? Yeah, I mean, one of the other books that I, I feel like I plug a lot because I did really enjoy it. And then I was talking with my partner who was like, I didn't get as much out of it as you did. Maybe it's just me, but... Oh, interesting. Is The the Raven Tower by Anne Leckie. Okay. I read Ancillary Justice is the first book in this trilogy that she wrote that's a sci-fi trilogy. And The Raven Tower is the first fantasy novel of hers that I think has been published. 
So it was like it just completely took everything into a different perspective. But the whole story is told sort of in second person, and you're not 100% certain who the narrator is at the beginning. And spoiler mm-hmm. alert, after a couple of chapters, you do learn that it is actually like some sort of god that has been watching not only like the northern lands from where this is set, but now is somehow involved in what is going on in the present day of the book. And so you kind of follow the god's history as well as like the current very like Shakespearean like prince has been deposed by his uncle kind of human drama and you kind of bounce back and forth between these two stories Hmm. in this really interesting way and it all kind of centers around I thought it was very cool it centers around a trans character who's kind of like navigating this whole world and kind of he's like a just like a farmhand who then became like the prince's second in command so kind of like navigating all of that business in this weird Shakespearean thing with like a god kind of like narrating the book back at him. <laughs> it was just very, very cool. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like I got a lot out of it because I do really love that sort of world building stuff. I love that gods, deities, all of that jazz. And then just had this very cool like Shakespearean element, which kind of went back to my roots as as an English major. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, a big swirl of a lot of different things that I really loved. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks for shouting that yeah. out. Because that sounds very different than a lot of things that are out there on the market. So I'm sure somebody will be listening to this and go, that sounds like the book for me. I didn't know what to expect and it didn't do any of the things I expected it to. Which I think is why <laughs> it sticks out of my memory. I think I've read it like two or three times already. Interesting. If you like the, and there's a god that's the narrator mm. trope, I guess. If you've not read The Book Thief or Lovely War by Julie Berry. Mm. Those are both actually historical fiction. But in The Book Thief, the narrator's death. Hmm. himself which is fascinating and then in the lovely war it's a world war one historical fiction but it's narrated by a bunch of greek gods so it's like Ares and aphrodite and hades and apollo and they're all kind of arguing about how to tell the story and who gets to tell it and it's just really weird and fascinating it's really cool <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway if you're here for and the gods are going to tell the story <laughs> now weirdly th- those both do it really well How can people find you on the internet and the shows that you're on and stuff like that? So I am on Twitter for myself at the Instagram, and that's Graham spelled with an E on the end. So Graham like a cracker plus an E. I also tweet for the podcast at Roll Less Taken. That's Roll Less Taken, Roll with an E. And I'm also published games under the Instagram.itch.io. Yeah, those are pretty much my big big spots. Fantastic. Well, hey, it was absolutely a pleasure to jump in, have some book talk with you today, and I can't wait to share it with the IPM audience. Yeah, it was lovely to chat with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, my name is Ree. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the owner of RPG Skillcheck, which is a company that does like copy editing and accessibility for the RPG community. So if people like writing adventures or their own role-play games, um, I am there to help make them the best they can be. And then I also probably, what I'm more well-known for is I'm the owner of uh, Clever Corvitz Productions, which is a podcast production company that just launched this year. And as part of that, I'm the GM and producer of The Magpies, which is a Blades in the Dark actual play podcast. I think by the time this episode comes out, The Magpies will be done. We are wrapping up our our fourth and final season. The, The series finale goes out in August, but we're launching a new Blades in the Dark actual play in November, ending one and and starting something new. Okay, well, that's very exciting in a lot of different podcast and RPG things that you've got your hands in, which is sounds like a great time. That sounds fun. Yeah. So thanks for telling us a little bit about you. So a little bit about me. I'm the host of the Library Laura podcast. On a normal episode, uh, what we talk about is book recommendations, library love, and literary enthusiasm. So will you tell us a little bit about your reading life and what started that for you? Yeah. I think in terms of what started that is I was really fortunate to grow up in a house that just really valued reading. My mom had bookshelves just with all of her books, trashy romance novels up on the high shelves, a little Mm -hmm. house on the prairie on the lower ones. Um, (laughs) She just really encouraged reading and made it fun. You know, I think I, along with probably everybody who's been through the American school system, had a lot of unfun reading 
in school, but on like a, a weekly basis, my mom would take me and my brother up to the library and just turn us loose. And so I tore through like the babysitter club was like my jam as a, a younger kid tween had a horse book phase where like mm-hmm. I don't remember any particular series but like I know there was like the misty of Chinkity. yes yes <laughs> like that yeah. one the Marguerite Henry books probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah all of those so I liked to read and I was in a household where that was encouraged and supported even as I like I was the kid where like I would hold books under my desk to read them during classes that I didn't like <laughs> So, like, there was some conflict with my teachers about what I was reading and how much I was reading, but my home life was one where it was really supported. And so that's just... I love that. Yeah, I kind of carried through. You know, my mom had tons of bookshelves when I was growing up, and now I have tons of bookshelves uh, in, in my home just full of all kinds of books that I like to read. Yeah, I think I, I've got a bit more fiction than nonfiction at this point, but it's it's kind of an even split these days in terms of what I'm reading. Okay, cool. So when you're looking for a book to read these days, is there something you look for or how, how do you choose? What do you have to say? Ah, yes, that is the book for me. So a lot of it, if it's fiction, I usually look for either, you know, an author that I have read before and enjoyed their other things, or it'll be something that I have recommended. You know, I'll see, you know, friends of mine will be like, oh, I read this and it was really great. Or, you know, I'll see people talking about something on Twitter or other social media. And I'll be like, oh, that sounds like a cool description of a book. Like, let me look into it. For nonfiction, it tends to be a lot more of like, I want to learn more about a thing. Mm -hmm. Like I have kind of a hobbyist interest in linguistics. So I found this absolutely amazing book about internet linguistics and like how language is used on the internet. It's called Because Internet by Gretchen McCullough. Highly recommend it. It is so cool. I am a person that I feel like I kind of grew up on the internet, Mm -hmm. very enmeshed in internet culture. I felt like so seen <laughs> by so much of this book. She has an entire chapter on like how typography, like the all caps or like the alternating capitalization or adding like sparkles, how that's used to convey tone. Mm-hmm. Like an entire chapter, just like breaking that down. It's really, really cool. And so that was something that like I wanted to learn more about. And so I went looking for books on that topic. So that's kind of how I hunt down new things these days. That sounds like fun. There's a book called Eats, Shoots, and Leaves. Yes. Uh, that I actually haven't read the whole thing, but I, every time I see it, like there's this section in the bookstore that's books about books. And oh, yeah. I, I just like that section so much because I love reading fiction about books and I also love reading nonfiction about linguistics and stuff like that. I've also read The Professor and the Madman, uh, which is about how the Oxford Dictionary I've got heard of, made. Yeah, I've heard of that one. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. There's also, I didn't bring it over from my giant pile of books, but Word by Word by Corey Stamper. She used to work for Merriam-Webster, like writing oh, okay. dictionary entries. It is fascinating and hilarious. Um, she's just a really entertaining writer. It's kind of a mix of like a history of language and a history of dictionaries and just sort of a like behind the scenes look at how a dictionary is written. Like one thing that's that always stood out to me that she talked about was how like the hardest words to define are the ones that we use really frequently. Like mm-hmm. the word that. Yeah. How do you define it? So many things. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many uses of it. And yeah, I think that might be one of her chapters is just talking about how she, you know, had to break down like 20 different meanings of this very basic English word. Mm-hmm. That sounds really fascinating. Yeah, it's really, really good. Well, I'm like adding things to my mental yeah. list over <laughs> here already, which is awesome. If you do decide to read The Professor and the Madman, there's a content warning that I will give to anyone who like, I can like go find the chapter or the page or whatever, because there's a thing that happens and it's because he is a madman and it's just really kind of like, I can never get that image out of my head. Oh. Uh, and so if you don't want that image, uh, let me know and I can uh, kind of warn you off of the chapter on that. All right. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> That's your disclaimer. It's a fascinating book, but there's just like one scene. I mean, it is factually what happened, but did we really need to know that? Yeah. So anyway, 
Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I understand that you are particularly enthusiastic about a uh, fiction series that you wanted to make sure to talk about. So please tell us. The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. I think it's one, I found it right before the pandemic. I'm very glad of that because I ended up rereading it a fair bit over the last year or so. So it is a science fiction series. It's five novellas and a novel at this point. It is set in a sci-fi future where humanity has spread out to the stars. It's a very corporatist future. So like there doesn't seem to be any kind of government. There's just corporations that sort of run majority of known space. But there are also areas kind of outside of that. It's an interesting take on how space exploration and settlement might work. But on the flip side, so like that sounds like it's going to be like really grim and depressing, but it's also very diverse in terms of the like racial and ethnic makeup of the characters. And it's also very casually queer. Uh, Group marriages are very common. Like polyamory seems to be the norm. Lots of queer relationships among the the human characters in the book. And the main character is Murderbot. It's all in first person, so it's from Murderbot's point of view. And Murderbot is a cyborg, basically. It is a mix of like robot machine parts and cloned human material. So it, it was created for this specific purpose. Interesting. Yeah. Its specific purpose is being, it's called a sec unit, a security unit. It's owned by a company and is rented out to groups that need somebody to do security. Most of these kind of cyborg units have a like control chip in their heads that, you know, keeps them obedient and doing what they're supposed to. Murderbot figured out how to hack that, and so nothing is actually forcing it to do the things it does, but all it really wants to do is watch soap operas and be left alone. <laughs> so the narrative arc is this anxious, depressed cyborg who really like doesn't do well with people. It's really interesting because so many stories like this about robots or androids or cyborgs are all about like, oh, I want to be human. I need to connect with humanity. Murderbot expressly does not want to be human. Mm. It wants to be treated as an independent being, but it doesn't want to be human. That's kind of made explicitly clear throughout the narrative. Yeah, Yeah. which is, it's a very cool take on things. There's this whole arc of it trying to kind of figure out its place in the world. It, It starts with its on assignment for this scientific research group and stuff starts going wrong and they have to figure out why is this group being threatened and then it turns into this journey of like it trying to figure out what it wants to do with its existence since it is a a free entity sort of and it's just it's really cool murderbot has a very like dry sense of humor and you know is very sarcastic about things and does not deal well with emotions. It's a decidedly non-human character who is extremely relatable. Interesting. So so not unlike a Data type character of like, it's funny and super relatable, but like decidedly not quite human. Yeah, I would say Data has better people skills okay. than Murderbot. So I'm thinking, hearing more about the Murderbot Diaries, there's a series and another book that you may already be familiar with them but the first one is the long way to a small angry planet by becky chambers yes yeah excellent have those on my shelf that was one of the ones where i was like oh i should bring that over to talk about fantastic Uh, so i'm glad you've already heard of that one Uh, it has some overlapping themes and interests there and then the other one is uh two two books by valerie valdez the first one is called chilling effect and if you like becky chambers book and you like murder by i i can't help but think that you would like this book it has that kind of space opera vibe to it rather profane but most of the profanity is in spanish and just don't look up the spanish translation if it's in spanish just assume that it's profane and just move along <laughs> with your life because she's cussing i'm sure uh, so there you go but yeah, an, an entirely non-space reality. Are you familiar with the Thursday Next series by Jasper Ford? Yeah, I've heard of them. I haven't read any. 
Okay, it's also got this weird kind of like futuristic, some of the corporations run more things than you think that corporations maybe should. Uh, at one point, I, pretty far into the series, she ends up working for a library that's like owned by a corporation. And so every time they, they mention the library, it's like fatso's all you can eat, including beverages library or something <laughs> like that. It's just, it's like ridiculous. There's just all of this weird corporate interference in things that you're like, mm, stay out of that please. Yeah. I love Thursday Next. She's fascinating. Jasper Ford is hilarious and weird and wonderful. And in the overlapping of how books and stories work and are made and why words are words and so on. And then the like futuristic corporations doing things. All of that weaves together and yeah. makes me think that you would really like Thursday Next series. Yeah, I've heard of it, but haven't read it yet. So I will have to I'll have to give that another look. On a completely different note, have you read Sitting Pretty by Rebecca Tossig? I don't think so. No, no, okay. that doesn't sound familiar. So it's nonfiction and it is one of the best like introductions to disability advocacy and oh, activism okay. that I've read. She is a writer. She gets around using a wheelchair, not unlike Murderbot wanting to be recognized for their own selves, but not wanting to be human, just wanting to be able to be a fully recognized version of themselves. Rebecca does such a great job of talking about like, she just wants to be able to be the self that she is. She doesn't want to have to change. She is who she is. And she just needs the accessibility and advocacy in the world to make it so that the world is a place where she can exist. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. without barrier. And I know those are completely different things, but with some of the like accessibility stuff that you mentioned in the beginning and then all of that, um, I've just been so impressed with with Sitting Pretty. And Yeah, yeah. I will definitely have to look that up. Was there anything else you wanted to make sure that you said while you were hanging out with us today? If I can throw out a handful of my own recommendations real quick. Do it. I will do this very quickly. All right. So in the subject of the nature of stories... The 10,000 Doors of January by <gasps> Alex it. Harrow. Oh my, oh my God, gosh. it's so good. Yeah, that was one I read early last year. And it's one of those that like, it just sticks with you. Mm -hmm. for, for listeners, it is kind of magical realism, I feel like is where I... Portal fiction? Yeah, it's, it's about this young woman named January who is kind of the ward of a very wealthy man. You know, her father works for this guy and is gone most of the time. Her mother apparently died when she was very young. But as the story goes on, she starts figuring out what's actually going on. And it leads into just this whole huge world of stories and magic and the power of belief and family. And it's just so good. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. So highly recommend that. Another one that I recommend to everyone who's ever like, what should I read? This is how you lose the time war. Okay, not familiar. It's a novella, and it is about a pair of spies from opposite sides of a war. The war is being fought uh, over time. Basically, you have timelines, and in one version of reality, we end up in this very cybernetic robot machine future. Mm -hmm. And in the other, it's just referred to as the garden. It's a very like, you know, ecology, plant, nature focused future. And there are spies from either side, red and blue is what they go by. And they start writing letters to each other as their paths kind of cross through these timelines. And so about half the novel is epistolary where it's just their letters back and forth. Cool. And over the course of the book, it's one of those things where, you know, the spies on enemy sides have more in common with each other than the people giving them their orders. Initially, the letters are just sort of taunting each other about like, haha, I went into this timeline and messed with this thing that's gonna, you know, screw up this thing for you guys. Sucks to be you. But as they start writing these letters back and forth, they start finding all these commonalities, they become friends, and they end up falling in love. The writing in this is some of the most beautiful writing that I've ever encountered. It's also both women, the main characters. So it is a, a sapphic love story. One of the letters where I think it's Red is telling Blue like that she's in love with her. It's just like the most beautiful, poetic 
raw, passionate language. And it's just such a cool book. I've reread it several times. It's just beautiful to read. My last one in my pile of recommendations, jumping over into nonfiction, this is one that I just picked up late last year, Four Lost Cities by Annalee Newitz. I really like this. It's about four ancient cities that are all kind of regarded as lost. And she kind of digs into the actual history of these places, like how did they form? What was it like to live there? And what happened to them? So it's it's Turkish city that I can't pronounce, Pompeii, Angkor in Cambodia, and then Cahokia in Missouri, which is part of why I picked this up because I grew up in St. Louis, which okay. is very close to Cahokia Mounds. I, you know, I've I've been to Cahokia and it was really, really cool to read about it again, particularly with, you know, I was there in like the 90s when <laughs> the history and the archaeology on it and, and what was kind of being shared publicly was very different than than what is is kind of known about it now. Like they figured out that like Cahokia was home to like this major sport, but like they figured out like famous athletes and people would like buy statues of these people and they kind of know the rules of this game. Like they've been able to figure this stuff out. And that's just it's so cool to just get that view of history that makes it feel like these were real people who lived real lives and gathered in the main plaza to watch a sporting event and bought souvenirs. So I'm going to restrain myself to three, <laughs> three book recs. Those are my three. Those are some that I've, I've read pretty recently that I've really, really enjoyed. Fantastic. Well, will you tell us how to get in touch with you on social media or online? Yes, I will. So you can follow my podcast personality. On the podcast Twitter is clever underscore Corvids on Twitter. To follow me on Twitter, it's at Rhiannon42. Oh, and I guess my website for my accessibility work is rpgskillcheck.net. Fantastic. Well, hey, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk books with you today. I'm so excited to have you as part of this IPM episode and to be part of this podcasting community. It's so cool. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelly. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month. Celebrating creators, sharing listeners.